too. Her hand slid over the door, feeling for the nub of the handle. Nothing. It was as if someone had cut it off with a hacksaw. What? John asked. Well, the doors. How do we open them? John was looking from one to the other when the sign for the Midtown Tunnel came and went. Hey, John rapped on the divider. You missed the turn. Where are you going? Maybe he's going to take the Queensboro, TJ suggested. The bridge meant a longer route, but avoided the tunnel's toll. She sat forward and tapped on the plexiglass using her ring. Are you taking the bridge? He ignored them. Hey! And a moment later, they sped past the Queensboro turnoff. Shit, John cried. Where are you taking us? Harlem. I bet he's taking us to Harlem. TJ looked out the window. A car was moving parallel to them, passing slowly. She banged on the window hard. Help! She shouted. Please! The car's driver glanced at her once, then again, frowning. He slowed and pulled behind them, but with a hard jolt, the cab skidded down an exit ramp into Queens, turned into an alley, and sped through a deserted warehouse district. They must have been going sixty miles an hour. What are you doing? T.J. banged on the divider. Slow down. Where are we? Oh, God, no, John muttered. Look. The driver had pulled on a ski mask. What do you want? T.J. shouted. Money? We'll give you money. Still, silence from the front of the cab. T.J. ripped open her Targus bag and pulled out her black laptop. She reared back and slammed the corner of the computer into the window. The glass held, though the sound of the bang seemed to scare the hell out of the driver. The cab swerved and nearly hit the brick wall of the building they were speeding past. Money! How much? I can give you a lot of money! John sputtered, tears dripping down his fat cheeks. T.J. rammed the window again with the laptop. The screen flew off under the force of the blow, but the window remained intact. She tried once more, and the body of the computer split open and fell from her hands. Oh, shit. They both pitched forward violently as the cab skidded to a stop in a dingy, unlit cul-de-sac. The driver climbed out of the cab, a small pistol in his hand. Please, no, she pleaded. He walked to the back of the cab and leaned down, peering into the greasy glass. He stood there for a long time as she and John scooted backwards against the opposite door, their sweating bodies pressed together. The driver cupped his hands against the glare from the streetlights and looked at them closely. A sudden crack resonated through the air, and T.J. flinched. John gave a short scream. In the distance, behind the driver, the sky filled with red and blue fiery streaks, more pops and whistles. He turned and gazed up as a huge orange spider spread over the city. Fireworks, T.J. recalled reading in the Times a present from the mayor and the U.N. secretary-general for the conference delegates, welcoming them to the greatest city on earth. The driver turned back to the cab. With a loud snap, he pulled up on the latch and slowly opened the door. The call was anonymous, as usual. So there was no way of checking back to see which vacant lot the RP meant. Central had radioed, He said 37 near 11, that's all. Reporting parties weren't known for AAA directions to crime scenes. 
Already sweating, though it was just nine in the morning, Amelia Sachs pushed through a stand of tall grass. She was walking the strip search, what the crime scene people called it, an S-shaped pattern. Nothing. She bent her head to the speaker mic pinned to her navy blue uniform blouse. Portable 5885. Can't find anything central. You have a further two? Through crisp static, the dispatcher replied, Nothing more on location, 5885, but one thing. The RP said he hoped the Vic was dead, Kay. Say again, Central? The RP said he hoped the victim was dead for his sake, Kay. Kay? Hoped the Vic was dead? Sachs struggled over a wilted chain link and searched another empty lot. Nothing. She wanted to quit, call in a 1090, unfounded report.